presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Nick Costos and Will Brinson with you here, breaking down the NFL news on a Wednesday. Will, we're texting this morning, Wednesday morning. Not a lot of news right now in the National Football League. And what happens, buddy? A cavalcade, a veritable treasure trove of news dropped at our feet. So let's hit some of it right now. And let's begin with the New York football Giants. Slot receiver Sterling Shepard goes down at a training camp practice. Now, Coach Ben McAdoo says it's just a rolled ankle here. Um, I'm a Giants fan and my panic level uh, starting to go up just a little bit, Mr. Brinson. Did you swear at any point when you were like when you saw the news pop up on your CBS alert, like in the middle of a podcast, like it's like Sterling Shepard dead on field, and you, like did you swear in the middle of a in the middle of a of a podcast or like a video or anything? You know, I was in the middle of the uh, the wrestling podcast in this corner when I did see that alert, and I almost dropped an f bomb during the podcast, but then I did a little research on the fly while someone else was talking and saw not expected to be that serious. But obviously, anything like this worries you here. And if Sterling Shepard's out for any amount of time for the Giants here, obviously not good. He's going to be a vital cog in Ben McAdoo's passing attack. Yeah, uh, a couple things. One, thank you to anyone who came over from the wrestling podcast to listen to the football podcast and likes it, especially the two dudes who left reviews on iTunes. Shout out to you. And shout out to all the, the rest the of you. The check's in the mail, by can... the way, for them. The check is in the mail for those two people that left those reviews. Rest of you trashing my segue, but shout out to the rest of you <laughs> who want to go on iTunes and leave a review or you can just hit bang the little five star button. And if you do that, the more you do that, the better it makes us look. Um, the higher it go, pushes our little rating in the, in the podcast thing up, the more new listeners can hang out and listen to the show and the better Nick and I, and of course, Jason Locker for and Pete Prisco will look to our bosses and we need to look good. As far as the Sterling Shepard stuff goes, um, if you're going to have an injury to a key player like this, this is pretty good compared to some of the other stuff. We'll get to Will Fuller in a second, but st- first of all, Sterling Shepard, um, a critical cock, no doubt about it. A very important player, second year, second round pick. Uh, great slot receiver. I thought he was kind of underrated for what he did last year, especially the touchdowns. But they do have Brandon Marshall. They do have Evan Ingram. They can fill the void if Sterling Shepard has to miss time. And it appears, per Ben McAdoo, to only be a rolled ankle. So it's not something that, that is going to keep him out. You know, I mean, this could be something like four to six weeks, right? And it probably hurt his explosion, worst case scenario, and he's still ready to go uh, about the time that the, the, the season starts. But um, I, I think they probably dodged a bullet because he was being carted off in tears not dodging a bullet, the Houston Texans, Will Fuller, broken collarbone out indefinitely. To me, that's a much worse injury, Nick, than Sterling Shepard. Oh, it's not even close. And per reports of John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, Fuller's going to undergo surgery, expected to miss two to three months. So this is going to carry over well into the regular season here. And whether it's Tom Savage or whether it's rookie Deshaun Watson here, you want your full complement of weapons. And Fuller is that deep threat. And obviously, he had some disappointing moments in his rookie season, most notably the drop touchdown pass in the divisional round playoff game in Foxborough, which would have helped the Texans cover the spread. Not that I had money on Houston in that game or anything, or I did. Thanks a lot, Will Fuller for that one, but I think the expectation is that this was a dude on the up and up, an offense on the up and up. I, I think you have to downgrade Houston's offense here because it lost its main vertical thread here in Will Fuller. 
Yeah, I mean, his hands are – he has the general touch of a blacksmith at times in, <laughs> in running pass routes. Sammy Coates. He, yeah, I mean, just all bangers off the hands. But this is a guy who can take the top off of a defense, and when you put him across the field from DeAndre Hopkins, they complement each other really well. It's a dagger for the, for the Texans' offense. He was an early-round pick. They expected him to make a major impact this season and to improve on his hands and to continue to be that deep threat. So that's one weapon down for a Houston offense that has a major question mark at the quarterback position. Worth noting, by the way, on Deshaun Watson that because um, I think we did the buy or sell or in or out, right? In or out. Yeah, whatever. One of one of the one of the games that we like to play here, yeah, which is basically previous... the same exact game just with a different title. Right, right. Yeah, we might do buy or sell on a Wednesday, in or out on a Friday. But uh, Bill O'Brien. You can, you can always see how this works in the NFL when you, once you follow the NFL long enough. Yeah. Two years. Bill O'Brien comes out and says, Deshaun Watson further ahead than any other rookie quarterback I've ever seen. That's, meta, like, that's figuratively speaking, Bill O'Brien is saying, I'm fully prepared to start Deshaun Watson in week one if he looks good in training camp in the preseason. No, and, and I think that I've said this on the pod. He has to start Deshaun Watson because yeah. his team is of a Super Bowl caliber. And I think, you know, I said it, if they had a decent quarterback, Last year, I think they could have beaten the Patriots in that divisional round game. They had some breaks in that game. They had some fumble luck. Obviously, the drop touchdown by Fuller really hurt. But they are a damn good team with a damn good defense. And I think Deshaun Watson's a damn good quarterback. So this hurts to lose the speedster. Uh, last year's second-round pick out of Notre Dame, Will Fuller, with the broken collarbone. But let's spin this forward now for the Texans' offense because two names are going to have to step up as potential replacements here for Will Fuller. The first, Will Brinson, is Braxton Miller, the former Ohio State quarterback. Now, Bill O'Brien had been talking him up in camp after a disappointing rookie year last year, becoming acclimated to the position and the offense. Braxton Miller is a guy that's going to have to take on a bigger role here now in the passing attack, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, they're not the same guy. I mean, obviously, they're not the same guy, but you know, I think I think the problem is that Miller is probably going to be better served just because he's sort of like a poor man's Terrell Pryor in that you know he is uh, you know has been transitioning to the from the quarterback position to the wide receiver position. They both played he's at so, Ohio State. Yeah, the whole yeah, 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 right, right, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I don't pretty pathetic. I didn't realize that right off the bat, but yes. Um, and I, but I think the thing is like with Miller, and you saw this when they were using him. The way he's used is almost more as like a screen guy, sort of get get the ball in his hand, be an athlete. And I think that's the difference with Fuller. Is Fuller's just a, you know, take it, take the, you know, blow the roof off the, in, in the words of Parliament, blow the roof off the sucker. And and I I think that, look, that's that's something you have to have as a as an offense, you know. No, you have to have that vertical deep threat, and I don't really see it on this offense right now. And, you know, we talked about how boring this Texans offense was under the, what does Lock and Fora call him? The, the Brock Lobster, <laughs> the Brock Lobster. The Brock Lobster, I know, I love that. <laughs> Under the, the crustacean Brock Osweiler, how boring <laughs> yeah. it was last year. Man, we may be looking at boring city yet again here for this Texans offense, minus Will Fuller, because where's the pop coming from? Where's that sizzle coming from on this Texans offense if their big vertical threat's not there? It's not, the, I mean, it's just not there. I mean, like, it's, you know, you look, I mean, like, Jalen Strong is not, I mean, even if he somehow magically came on as a, you know, third rounder from 2015 and, and discovered his game this year. He's not even an explosive, like over the top guy. I mean, Fuller is, you want that compliment. I mean, the, the goal, when they reworked their offense last year during the draft and free agency, they had Lamar Miller in, in free agency. He's an explosive, huge home run guy. And then they totally misuse him. And then they had Will Fuller with their first round pick in the draft. And, and, 
you know, now he's injured after uh, after struggling to finish the season strong. It's I don't know. I'm I'm bearish on the Texans. I, I talk. I was talking with Dave Richard. Now we want we want to have Dave on the show to talk about over unders because he likes to put down some over unders. He's a uh, terrible gambler. Love Dave Richard, but the guy like you'll see his picks on Sportsline. He only takes money lines that are like minus three hundred or better. The guy's an awful gambler. Love Dave the guy. Does well our, he does pretty well in the picks, but well, at, at any rate, like I, he had the Texans over at eight and a half. And I hate that number. That is so high. And I look at this offense and you start to think about. Really? Um, you like the Texans over at eight and a half? I don't like it. I don't know if like I love it. I like it. But I don't think like like you seem to have had like a visceral reaction to it. Like eight and a half. That's preposterous. No way. I mean, they, they like they bear. I mean, I, I just think people are overrating the idea that. I mean, look, they've got a, their their starting left tackle is holding out. Right. Dwayne Brown's holding out. Um, you know, they're starting a rookie quarterback or Tom Savage. They're going to be missing Will Fuller. They didn't know how to use Lamar Miller last year. DeAndre Hopkins is is a very good receiver. I, I don't know, but I just I just I don't have a good vibe about the Texans. I think they're loaded on defense. To me, I think they're the second best team in this in this division, and I don't I feel much better about that thought with Will Fuller going down. And guessing that you like the Titans as the best team in the division this year. I do, but I don't like the hype surrounding the Titans. No, and and really, like, it's a crazy division where, I mean, Blake Bortles would have to actually get get it turned around here and stop with the no-more wind-up, but you can make the case then for the Jaguars to maybe be a pretty good team in this division as well. So, fascinating to see how that turns out here. But speaking of the Jaguars... You know who else is trending? Trending teams? The Chargers are trending teams. And you know why? Because they finally got some protection for Phillip Rivers. And now, Forrest Lamp's being carted off. That's a a disaster. That is a big-time disaster. If they lose their first two first two picks, Mike Williams and Forrest Lamp, guys that were going to help immediately if you're the Chargers to injury before training camp really gets rolling. Do you love Lamp? I do love Lamp. I love Forrest Lamp. I thought this guy was a viable first round pick, and I know Pete Prisco hey. has a take on that. We'll get his take a little later when he joins us from Saints training camp here. But this is big. And Will, what's been the big bugaboo for the Chargers for the last however many years? It's been two really injuries, specifically. Injuries along the offensive line. And this was a guy that I think they had a lot of faith in here. Opening up holes for Melvin Gordon. Keeping Phillip Rivers upright. I mean, the Chargers were a team that I really liked coming into camp. And now down Mike Williams, down Forrest Lamp. As you astutely said, their top two picks in the NFL draft this year. I think this hurts them quite a bit now with these two losses. Yeah, I mean, it's like, is Dr. Nick from the Simpsons? Is he like the... Hi, he the, everybody! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Is he the trainer for the Chargers? I mean, they can't keep anybody healthy. It's horrible. You, you, you remember that, like, the Suns and the Heat do this too. The Heat infamously, like, or famously, I guess, uh, have a training regimen in the offseason that gets guys in the best shape of their lives. So do the Suns. Remember the, the Steve Nash era? They would always seem to have everybody healthy, rejuvenate old dudes, whatever they're doing. The Chargers are doing the opposite. It's like they're, it's like they're like feeding, like, they're like feeding, uh, you know, like raw butter. Like, it's like, hey, hey, have this butter milkshake for us. Yeah, trust it's like me, trust it's me. like the anti Chip Kelly. It's like instead of like the juice, they've got like milkshakes yeah. served for you. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or, like yeah, the, yeah. the butter rejection. You want to stay hydrated? Is, uh, Here's some beer. Drink some beer to stay hydrated instead of water. This is our this is our proprietary fried chicken recipe. Just trust me. This is going to get you in great shape and make everybody's fat. I mean, it's, like I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it, it bugs me. If hopefully Lamp is fine. There's no real word on that. We'll you know we'll follow up this on Friday. Uh, not fine. The, the Baltimore Ravens, Nick, they are cursed. They, they are, are. They might be cursed, buddy. Like yeah. and like a big time curse here because two more guys, Nico Siragusa, fourth round offensive lineman, 
offensive guard, and Crockett Gilmore, another tight end. I mean, you want to talk about like curses? Like, if you're a tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, take out like a life insurance policy because chances are something dastardly is going to happen to you. Both these guys are out for the season. You couple that with Dixon, Will, and you couple that with Joe Flacco here, and the vibe around this team can only be construed as bad, and we haven't even talked about the statement they put out earlier today on Wednesday about their pursuit of Colin Kaepernick. Would you rather be uh, like Cersei's king of the uh, hand of the king or hand of the queen or a player on the Ravens roster right now? Oh, I would much rather be uh, Quiburn than than a player on the yeah, Ravens yeah, yeah, roster. Yeah, yeah. At least, like, like, like you're go- Quiburn's gonna die in a horrific fashion no at some point because that's how like Game of Thrones works. But like, if you're a Ravens player and you walk in that field, bam, bam, you're down, you're down. I mean, you hate to overblow these training camp injuries. Not because, when there's like, like 10 of them, though, right? Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, don't I mean, the Ravens over under is eight and a half. Wouldn't you hammer the under right now? Just the way that things are going. I think they're the third best team in that division. And I think the Browns yeah. are going to be improved. I like the Bengals more than the Ravens. And they play in week one. And I like Cincinnati in that game. Pittsburgh's obviously the, the, the class. And it's not just this year with Baltimore. And I think I said this on the first edition that we did of this podcast. I think this is going to be John Harbaugh's last year with the Ravens because Mm. they missed the playoffs again. Now we're talking three years out of the postseason, and I think that Steve Biscotti, um, Biscotti, right? I think I have pastry on the mind, Biscotti. Biscotti. Steve Biscotti. Stevie Biscotti. Stevie B. Stevie Biscotti. Ozzie Newsom and company, I think. Think may look to make a coaching change here. So the domino effect, not just 2017, but I think into 2018. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because they won the Super Bowl Super Bowl in 2012. And it, it goes back to the question, like, how much time does, does winning a Super Bowl buy you? And I think the answer is probably five years, eight and eight after the Super Bowl season. But you attribute that to the losses because of free agency, because of the, you know, you win the you win the title, et cetera, et cetera. But then they go 10 and six. Still just finished third in the division, lost the first or lost the divisional round uh, to the Patriots, right? Yes. And then they then they go five and eleven. When the Patriots break all, broke all the rules in that game and got John Harbaugh and company real pissed off on the competition committee. That's correct. And then uh, five and eleven, you're like, well, the Flacco tore his ACL, right? Or was that was that that was yeah, right? Five and eleven, Flacco tears his ACL. But then they go eight and eight last year. And all of a sudden, you have that one sort of outlier since the Super Bowl victory. And even that Super Bowl season, they went 10 and 6. They didn't come in as like this 14 and 2, 15 and 1. Yeah. I mean, and so, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's that crazy. I do think the injuries sort of buy them a little bit of time, but it's hard to imagine the Ravens having a 10 win, 11 win season. Um, unless they just get they come out of the gates hot. And I just can't see them coming out of the gates hot with all these injuries they're dealing with. All right, let's play the schedule game for the Ravens here. You ready? Yeah. Week one at Cincinnati. Whether a, Let's assume Flacco is on the field for this, just for the sake of this exercise. Okay, sure. I still think it's a loss regardless. All right, at home against the Browns, week two. See, this is where, the, this is where it gets interesting for Baltimore in the Joe Flacco timing because – you go at Cincinnati. Let's say you lose. It's a divisional game on the road. They're hard to win. Then, like you said, Browns and Jaguars at home. You, if you're not two and one three weeks in, yep. you are waving the white flag, baby. I mean, this is like that's you have to be at least two and one. Especially because you've got on October 1st and October 8th hosting the Steelers, and then you travel to Oakland to take on the Raiders. So Baltimore is going to need to bank some wins early on in the season here, or and, they risk spiraling here out of control. And, and you know what? You know what is not being talked about enough 
in relation to uh, both Joe Flacco's injury and how much time he's going to miss as well What's that as the schedule. That September 24th Jaguars game at home, you notice how seven days later they play the Steelers? That Jaguars game is in England. That, that, oh, that's one of the jolly old London games. Yes, yeah, but they didn't. They decided to. They decided to give to not take their bye after the London game because it was too early, and so they're going to have to travel back from London on a Sunday night, do a red eye or whatever, or whatever the hell it'll be a red eye out of London, I guess, right? Or can you red eye back? I don't even know how that I, works. I have no idea. Fine. Let's say you get a Monday. You get a Monday morning in jolly old London. Hop on a plane. You're back in you know America on Monday night. You got the Steelers in five days when you wake up on Tuesday. That's a problem. And you know who's really gonna like that? That it's not cross country. I guess it's sort of it's cross because you're it's cross whatever. Like you're going from London to the United States. You know who's gonna love that flight on the red eye? Joe Flacco's back. Like that's what you yeah, want. Yeah. Your quarterback with a back injury taking flights like that back and forth and having not a lot of preparation to face. Oh, by the way, the best team in your division, your biggest rival, the Steelers. Well, well let's throw out let's throw out the nightmare scenario here where Joe Flacco is gonna miss three weeks. Do you even send him? To London. No. And all of a sudden, are you going up against the Bengals, Browns, and Jaguars with Ryan Mallett? And are you 0-3 if you're doing that? And, and will Ryan Mallett make the flight either to or back from London? It all remains to be seen. And on the Kaepernick thing, the Baltimore Ravens releasing uh, a statement saying denying any reports that have come out that, that Steve Bishotti and Ozzie Newsom have said they're not going to sign Kaepernick here. Just the fact that they have to release a statement about like the potential pursuit of a player to me, Will, is outright insane. It's like, it's like we're in the twilight zone. It's like bizarro world right now as it concerns Kaepernick. I, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's, it's like, why did you guys, it's, it's like walking down the street. And seeing a piece of poop on the ground. Yes. And smashing it with your foot and then being mad at everybody because you have poop on your foot. Like, just, you didn't have to step in this, okay? That's my point. I mean, not, not that Kaepernick is poop, obviously, but like. The situation kind of is though, right? With everything yeah, that's going on. It's a poopy situation and they didn't have to step in it. They, they, they put themselves out here and like started talking about Kaepernick and mentioning him. And then, and then they're like, well, we're going to, and then. Who is handling the PR for the Ravens where they're like, we're going to talk to Ray Lewis, we're going to talk to the fans, we're going to talk to the sponsors, shut up! Because you know what this feels like? This is like, and I'm not banging on them, but it's just the truth, this is like the Jets. Or like, or like the New York Knicks, or like one of these dysfunctional franchises in sports that can't get their head out of there, you know what? But like, the Ravens have always been above this sort of nonsense, right? So to see them devolve yeah. like this and jump into the cesspool, not feet first, buddy, but head first into the poop here, it's been, it's been kind of stunning to watch. It, it has been because you consider the Ravens a functional franchise, right? Because of Ozzie Newsome, because of what they do in the field. But then you start to go back and you think about how they handled the Ray Rice stuff. I mean, that, I mean, it was an unmitigated disaster the whole time in terms of great the message that they were sending out and, and the way that they handled it, refusing to cut him. Um, you know, you saw, I saw Robert Klimko of S of the MMQB or SI.com or whatever, whichever, whatever you want to call it, uh, tweet out. He's like, uh, NFL act in three plays. It's like Terrell Suggs accused of strangling girlfriend. It's like Steve Biscotti stands behind Terrell Suggs. And then like the next headline was like Biscotti unsure about Colin Kaepernick. It's like, guys, you are really botching the way that you handle this. Please hire some sort of PR staff 
that knows what it's doing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ugly. Yeah, it is ugly right now for the Baltimore Ravens, both on the field with all the injuries and off the field with the, the nonsense regarding Colin Kaepernick. And that's not to say, like, it's nonsense to think about signing him because if I'm Ozzie Newsom, I think you sign Colin Kaepernick because you cannot risk running Ryan Mallett out there for the first couple games of the season in what could be a make or break year for John Harbaugh. Will, I want to circle back real quick to two things we discussed earlier and get your take on it. First, the Sterling Shepard thing with the Giants. And I think that this could ultimately uncover a fatal flaw with this Giants offense. And I love this. Everyone's so fired up, like the Giants 11-5 and last year are going to be good again this year. I'm not so sure. And I grew up a Giants fan because that line stinks. And Shepard's supposed to be the guy that Eli could get the ball to quickly. And for all the Mm. pub about Evan Ingram, he's a rookie tight end. We don't see rookie tight ends outside of Rob Gronkowski really ever produce in the National Football League. So if Shepard... This is something that's recurring for Sterling Shepard. I'm already kind of bearish on this Giants season and this Giants offense as a whole. I'm just nervous that Eli's going to have a bad year. The line's going to stink. They're not going to be able to run the ball. And Odell Bankham's going to beat the crap out of the kicking net on the field. And the fans are going to get really pissed off. Um, no, I, I don't think that's a crazy idea. I think Shepard is the guy that was... I mean, you know, you have Brandon Marshall as a move-the-chains guy. Evan Ingram is a split-the-seams Every now and then, and when he's open streaking down the field, he makes a nice catch. He's not going to be – he's not just going to pick up the slack from Sterling Shepard. And OBJ can run those slants, and those work a lot, but you can't – that can't be your only play call. You know, he's going to draw some attention. You need Shepard as sort of that intermediary weapon, and I, th- I think it's a it's a major problem uh, for the Giants. I, I have a question for you, circling yes. back to the Titans, right? So this is this – is, I'm just curious to get your take on it. This is going to be difficult because it's on the spot. Oh, I, I like I'm, it. Okay. So I'm in this league of leagues with Jonah Carey, right? Okay. Do you know about this? I don't. It is a combination football, basketball, and baseball league. Okay. You play all three sports. You have one draft that's 50 rounds. Okay. And there's a supplementary draft for rookies. Why was I not invited to this? This sounds like like nerd porn. And I it is it is, yeah. it is it is fantasy sports nerd porn. Um, but. I am currently on the clock in the supplementary draft with the seventh overall pick. The fact that you and, keep calling it, by the way, the supplementary draft is great. Well, it's it's for basketball and football rookies because they we didn't know what teams they were on when we drafted originally. Okay. So that's what, so I have a choice on my big board. Here, the guys who are off are Fournette, McCaffrey, Lonzo Ball, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and Markel Fultz. So it comes down to Corey Davis or my boy Dennis Smith. <sighs> I. I it, so, like, the scoring, it makes pretty much everybody equal? No, it depends. on. So, like, it's worth noting that we have at point guard in this. I'm owning it with a buddy of mine. We have uh, Which buddy? Steph Seek? Curry. No, 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 Nathan. Okay, love Nathan. Uh, the guy I went to fish with. Uh, uh, I have, I have, we have Steph Curry, Jeff Teague, and Kyle Lowry already. So Kyle we're kind of We're kind of loaded at point guard. We're, we're, Dennis Smith is an NC State guy. So, I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of a tough one. Um but Corey Davis is probably the player. Right? As a Knicks fan, I think the one mortal lock for this year's NBA season is the fact that Dennis Smith went the pick after the Knicks took Frankie Nicotine, the point guard out of France, means that Dennis Smith is going to be an all-star this season. I'm pulling the trigger on Dennis Smith if I'm you here. And the Titans also, first off, Mike Malarkey's running the offense, and it's from the Mesozoic era, which means I know they took a wide receiver at five. Their offense is still going to be DeMarco Murray, DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray, Marcus Mariota rollout, maybe a throw to, to 
Delaney Walker or Rashard Matthews. I'm not convinced Corey Davis is going to have that huge role in year one. Dennis Smith, who the hell else is going to take shots for the Mavericks? Like Dirk Nowitzki is 108 years old. It's basically going to be the Dennis Smith show, right? You would think so. I mean, but then you look at this, this the receiving stats for the Titans, 945 yards for Rashad Matthews last year. Rashad Matthews. I think he's I mean, That dude almost cracked yeah. a thousand yards. He got 108 targets in that offense. That's Corey Davis's numbers. So you're leaning towards Davis. Yeah. I mean, we have at wide receiver. We have Larry Fitzgerald, Jarvis Landry, and Demarius Thomas. Your it's not great. At wide... No, you take Corey Davis then because you already have Curry. So you got to, you got to go with Davis. Yeah. We're loaded at point guard and it just haunt us for two or three years like Knicks fans if, if, uh, if, 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 if Dennis Smith ends up being rookie of the year oh, and, and being an all-star. Like it already happens. Like it's basically, it's already happened. Written and they the can fill, and they fill, they can fill Jackson. Like the only reason you drafted that, that French dude is so he can run the, run the triangle. It's insane. And now there all is right, no more uh, triangle. These are all anyway, stories for another time. Yeah. Back to football. Do we have time before we bring on Pete for a couple more items here? Oh, we've got, we've got lots of time here, buddy. Okay. Camp Chancellor extension. No brainer, right? You give Camp Chancellor money. This defense has a small window. You have to get it paid. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. That was a yes uh, or no question. The answer is obviously yes. No question. Uh, well, I mean, the reason I just made it a, a yes or no question is that I would much rather talk about Guy Fieri, NFL insider. I'm so happy that we've come to this year. That, like, yeah. when you sent me this email this morning, like, I actually. You said love. I got a I wrote love, exclamation point. I got a little excited, buddy. Like, a little. Like, that was, uh, that's pretty good. So, so break this down here for the audience and then we'll discuss. So, basically, Guy Fieri noted, uh, Flavortown monster and, um, you know, the celebrity chef, diners, drive-ins, the, the diners, the- drive-ins and dives, which, by the way, is the greatest television show ever invented <laughs> that does not air on a CBS platform. Important to say, <laughs> because you could literally do a thousand seasons of diners, drive-ins and dives and every single episode is going to be good. Like you cannot have a bad episode of the show. It is sheer genius. It, it's strong. It's uh, they've. I've been to a couple. Have you been? Have you been to any places on on the show yes. before? Yes. They did uh, Tortugas Lie at Nags Head in North Carolina, which is fantastic. And then I think I want to say they came somewhere near here, but that might be the only place I've ever in North Carolina he's gone. I'm, I'm assuming like with New York, you've been to more of the places. Yeah, but like, and my favorite thing about that show because he can't go to these places and tell them he doesn't like the food, so it's trying to figure out based on his reaction when he tastes it. A, if he likes it, B, if he hates it, and then C, how much he likes it or how much he hates it based on whatever his reaction is. It becomes a really fun game to play. Absolutely. So anyway, Guy Fieri, he tweets out. He's like, my boy, Marcel Reese, is joining the Seahawks. And everybody's like, wait, what? You're, you're Guy Fieri. Why Why in the hell are you tweeting Seahawks news? And then 24 hours later, it took a full 24 hours, the Seahawks confirmed it. Apparently, uh, Marcel Reese was hanging with Fieri in Flavortown. When he broke uh, and, and, you know, gave the scoop and, and Fieri said he was cool to tweet it. And so he was a for a hot minute. He was an NFL insider. It might be my favorite offseason storyline. If I gave you either an all expenses paid trip to like the Bahamas or like Aruba or somewhere or you get to go to Flavortown, which do you choose and why? Ooh, um, Bahamas. Because Guy Fieri's not there. <laughs> Correct. Um, can we like start a petition here to like get Guy Fieri to like actually be like a real NFL insider? Like, can that happen? I, I, well, I mean, like this is like this is like become a trend. Remember, Rob Lowe tweeted that Peyton Manning was going to retire or like was going to leave the Colts. I mean, and everyone's like, "Hey, listen, Rob Lowe, why don't you take it down a notch, pal?" And didn't care. He just rolled it right out there, and he was absolutely right. And then somebody else did this, and I can't remember who it was, but there have been like random um 
celebrities just breaking NFL news. It's been fantastic. Yeah, Guy Fieri, I think, obviously, uh, the best of the bunch here. I love it. Send me to Flavortown. What else we got? Uh, Jets defensive backs, Jamal Adams, and uh, who was the other? Oh, Maurice Claiborne. Morris Claiborne. <laughs> that was like Will Brinson's North Kakalaka uh, draw there. Yeah, Maurice Claiborne. Maurice Claiborne. Uh, they both they were at a, a panel with Roger Goodell, and they were asked. I think they were asked if they were concerned about dying on a football field. And Jamal Adams, rookie safety, said that a a football field would be quote the perfect place to die. <laughs> which you know who okay. disagrees with that? Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martellus Bennett called him out and correctly called him out and said, I ain't dying for this S. Um, you fill in the blanks there. He's right. A football place is a terrible place to die. Not only are you dying because something horrific happened to like, your body. Horrific. Yeah, horrific. Like, we, I mean, do you remember when Colt McCoy should have died when James Harrison uh, killed him? Oh, my God. I mean, I mean there, there are so many. When Eric Smith broke Anquan Bolden's face, I mean, Brandon Merriweather's one of like the 700 helmet to helmet hits Todd he Heath, had. That, that hit on Todd Heath. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, um, uh, oh, God, who was it? It was the Eagles. Um, oh, when Reggie Bush got killed by Sheldon Brown. That's another one. I'm thinking of the Eagles-Falcons uh, game. Who was it? It, was, uh, it wasn't uh, Asante Samuel. I don't want to besmirch his good name. Dun- Dante Robinson? Dante Robinson, yes, good call. And he, I mean, just it was just helmet hunting. I mean, or you can even go back to you know, I mean, uh, well, what's his name? The old, uh, the old Eagles guy who just Chuck died. Benarek standing over Y.A. Tittle. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, or when he destroyed Frank Gifford. I mean, like, like you go, like, there's there were plenty of opportunities for dudes to die on a football field, and we probably were like, oh my god, that guy might be dead. They didn't die, which means that if you're going to die on a football field, you have to take a really, 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 really bad Heinous. hit. Yeah. And then you have to lay there on and, and be dead on TV. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, like it's not like like at some point like you get the thumbs up like you're dead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You never you never wave. You just die. <laughs> you're dead. And yeah, correct. In front of like sixty thousand people, and it's not like you get and millions dead. watching. Also, your death would effectively end football. Like, so, correct. Like the NFL is over at that point. Like you, like Rod, Can you imagine like what Roger Goodell was thinking? Like, have you ever seen the Birdcage, the movie The Birdcage with Robin yeah. Williams? Like when, like when Nathan Lane walks out dressed like a woman, and then you see Robin Williams' face. Like, oh my God, what's about to happen? Like Roger Goodell's up there. They're talking about seeing Jamal Adams. Goes, yeah, I'd die on a football field, or that would put everybody out of business. Yeah, then then we lose all the billions because you decided you'd love to die on a football field. So I ask you, Nick Costa. Yes. Where would be your perfect place to die? Can I give like it's it's such a generic crappy answer, but like, you know, where I want to die in a hospital, just in a bed, in a, a hospital, in a bed surrounded by people I love very peacefully. How about that? Lame yeah, answer. See, I, thought, I, I thought about that. I mean, like, I don't know if I'd want to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you die peacefully, that'd be fine. I wouldn't want to die like like I would have to sign off. I would have to have an agreement with this, you know, in this situation that I'm going to die peacefully. Like I don't want to be with my loved ones and get hit by a safe that falls out of the sky. And I die like that. Right. That would be, cause that would traumatize my, my son and my wife for, for all eternity. So I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I don't think I'd want to die working. Um, I don't think I'd want to like, die, die working. Like, what does that mean? Like I die on a set, like in your, your head collapses down into a laptop could be worse than that. Right. Yeah, or like at a football game, at a football event. I don't know. I, mean, I wouldn't want to die on a football field. I'll tell you Hell that no. Much. Hell no. Um, I don't think I'd want to die at like a fish concert. I, I, there's not really a good place to die. What do you? Th- which method of dying would you want to avoid the most? Like for me, I do not want to drown. Yeah, drowning. Uh, well, I'm, I have a. Uh, I'm petrified of heights, so 
falling from a really tall building would be the worst case scenario. Drowning is, is right up there, though, because I think the slow drag of and you know what'd be worse than than drowning? What's that? Just like okay, if you're gonna drown, would you rather drown in a shallow like like tie, like like held down in like a ten foot pool and you can't and you or can't like reach in the, the middle of the ocean like you're on a boat and like the boat capsizes and like there's no. Oh, one no I was thinking like or because like you know if like you're scuba diving and I just I just by the way just gave you like that's like the greatest nightmare of all time for me. It's like you're in the ocean and there's no one around and it's just you and you're like floating. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Would you rather Would you rather drown knowing you're just hanging out at the top of the ocean and you're never going to escape there and you just kind of have to let go and and hope you choke out or would you rather like drown like you're being forcefully yanked down under the water. See, I think the forcefully yanked down would be worse. I think forcefully yanked down would be better because it would probably be quicker and you wouldn't yeah, have to probably go through. Just explode. No, because think about it. Like if you're like, so let's say like you're on a boat, right? And the boat capsizes or something and you're in the ocean and there's, you you can't call anybody. You're like basically there. Like you have to make the decision at some point. Like I think as you choose, right? You, you try and hold on for as long as you can to whatever it is, but you yeah. have to know in the back of your head, like I'm screwed most likely here. And then you have to go back and forth. Like, all right, is it time now? Do I want to wait another hour? Like, what's going to happen here? Like, at least, like, if you're, if you're being held down, like, there's, like, the inevitable is going to happen. Like, you're dead. The other one's, like, long and drawn out. Just freaking kill me and get me over with, I say. I, I like that you said, like, wait another hour. Like, all right, I, still have, like, I don't know if I can, like, wait, what about a couple of weeks? Like, Tom Hanks and Castaway. I mean, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. No, he yeah, was on an island, awful. at least, though. Like, this is, you're in the middle of the freaking ocean, right? Yeah, but didn't he get, didn't he end up in the water and then he, like, washed ashore? I have a confession. I've never seen Castaway. I have a confession. Castaway sucks. Does so it suck? It's okay. I feel like it's, it's like sacrilege to say like Tom Hanks movie sucks. You know what movie I think sucks? Saving Private Ryan. That's might be sacrilege. I'll tell you what's better than Castaway is uh, um, The Martian. Didn't see it. Good? Uh, you need to see it. It's fantastic. Matt Damon, first of all, is not as good as Tom Hanks as an actor, an actor, but he's a better character in that. He's kind of like goofy and fun. You should if you if like tonight's Wednesday. Yes, football starts tomorrow. What you, what do you there's no Game of Thrones to watch. Watch the Martian tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the Martian here, and I think I have an addendum to my answer, buddy. Where I'd like to die, I'd like to die in Flavortown. <laughs> That's a good answer. Die in Flavortown. Like, like uh, send, my wife, send send me to Flavortown, also, buddy. Uh, tell you that the Martian is an incredible. Uh, movie she is ak is a big fan of the martian and i definitely trust ak's cinematic um opinion definitely more i might trust robbie's cinematic opinion more than yours as well here as i see i'm guessing that that, that, that your wife is listening right now since you just looked (laughs) off the camera here on skype to say hello (laughs) yeah 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 she she heard that and she she laughed and gave a thumbs up as she heads to a, a biz meeting all right so i think dom easley dominic easley also out for the season for the rams um with an ACL tear, that's a third of his career. It's not hard to imagine his career being over. That is it. That stinks. But as far as news go, hopefully that's all we got on the injury front. Hopefully no one else gets hurt between now and Friday. Uh, but we'll be back for more news. And we also have to talk to Pete Prisco. Wait, yes? let, me hit, wait, let me hit you real quick on Dom Easley here. I, I think the one domino effect, and I feel bad for the young man because he played well last year. So many injuries in his career. First-round pick formerly of the Patriots. Do you think now that this could accelerate the Rams' efforts to sign Aaron Donald to that long-term contract, given that they both I, play I on the someone, DL. I, I saw someone point out that it might make the Rams skittish. But that didn't make any sense to me. No, who wrote, who wrote that? 
I can't remember somebody just tweeting like, oh, the Rams could be skittish about signing Aaron Donald. Like, are you crazy? Get Aaron Donald in there now. Yes, that's like saying like the Patriots are skittish about like bringing Tom Brady a couple years ago. The Packers are skittish about Aaron Rodgers. Or you kick the best player on your team and you get him into camp. Yeah, and it's weird too. Like, I mean, Dom Easley has a great, had a great first step, but he had two ACL tears. He was somebody else's first round pick. Aaron Donald is the best interior defensive lineman. I mean, you know, maybe him and J.J. Watt, right? I mean, this is a guy who's a perennial defensive player of the year. There is one e- – here's here's how you handle negotiations with Aaron Donald. Hey, Aaron. It's <laughs> okay, so hold on, hold, hold on. You be less, I'll be Aaron. Okay, ready? Go okay, ahead. okay. Ring, right, ring, right. ring. Hello? Aaron, buddy, what's up? It's Les. Uh, Les, you have great hair, by the way. Thanks for calling. What's up? Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I do have great hair. I know it, too. You, you can tell I know it, right? Everyone can tell I know it. Uh, listen, we want to work out a contract. How much do you want? Cool. I want $110 billion and a first-class ticket to Flavortown. Uh, actually, Aaron, here's what we're going to do. I can't – I can. Uh, we're going to give you 10 uh, – well, we'll give you $110.5 billion, and we'll buy you Flavortown. How does that sound? Whatever you want, you got it. That sounds great, and you know why you should give that to me? Because I'm the best player on your football team and arguably the best defensive player in the league. Hey, Aaron, one more request. Can you play quarterback? Um, I'm not sure I can, given that you just mortgaged the franchise to get this kid who stinks out of California, who hopefully will be better this year. Okay, can you just kill Jared Goff in training camp? How about uh, that? I, I, only if you give me $110 billion and that ticket to Flavortown. <laughs> Deal. You're signed. You know, you and I have had way too much fun and way too many smiles here in the news section of the show. So let's bring it down a little bit by bringing in our resident curmudgeon. He is the great Pete Prisco, live from New Orleans Saints training camp. Pete, what's the mood right now at Saints training camp? Well, I mean, the, the day I watched on Wednesday wasn't very good for the offense, which is probably a good sign for their team. I, I almost have to thought to myself, hey, Drew Brees was told today to throw some picks to the defensive backs because he threw two on three passes. So, uh, you know, one went to uh, Marcus Williams, the rookie free safety from North Carolina, who will be a big-time player for them. And, and then he threw another one to a corner on the other side of the field that I couldn't see. But uh, two, two, two interceptions in three passes for Drew Brees, I said to somebody, I go, you sure Sean Payton didn't tell him to make defense look good? Because that's been a defense that hasn't been very good the last couple of years. Wow. So is this uh, – I, I mean, because I, to me, Pete, the thing about this Saints team is that it doesn't really ma- – we've seen it, it doesn't matter what Drew Brees does. As great as Drew Brees has been in the last few years, they still finished 7-9. and nine. They started to look like they had some of the pieces coming together on defense. Where would you, where would you slot the Saints defense right now in the NFC South in terms of one through four, what you might think they, they'll do defensively? They're fourth. I mean, because you got you got to <laughs> look. Atlanta's defense is going to be much better than last year because those four rookies started last year and they get Trufant back. They've added Don Terry Poe and Pat McKinley. I think Tampa's defense is going to be better. Noah Spence is going to have a huge year for them rushing the passer, uh, and their young player is going to be a year older. Carolina – you know, it'll be between Carolina and, and, and uh, New Orleans for who's the fourth defense. Because I don't know if Carolina made that much improvement up front. They got older. That's not necessarily a good team. Good thing. But I, you know, this Saints team will be faster. You know, Deuce McAllister, the former running back, works on uh, on their uh, broadcast. And one thing he said to me, he said, "Look, they're getting much, much faster on defense, and they've added some nice pieces." You know, AJ Klein from the Panthers will start. Uh, they, they've also, you know, the, the kid Anzalone, the linebacker from Florida, is going to be a good player. Uh, you know, in the secondary, Lattimore, by the way, with Marshawn Lattimore in the corner out of Ohio State, who they drafted the first round, isn't practicing. He's dinged again. And there was always that concern about him. 
whether he could be able to step in and, and be a, a guy who could stay on the field. So I think they'll be better on defense. They still have major issues rushing the passer. Cam Jordan is very good at one spot. The right side uh, pass rusher is a major question. Um, the other first-round rookie you mentioned, Lattimore, is Ryan Ramchick, the tackle out of Wisconsin. I know that they've been bandying about having him play left tackle potentially with Taron Armstead out. How's that situation been playing out thus far at camp, the blindside protection for Drew Brees? Well, that's going to be a major concern because it looks like Armstead could miss an extended period of time. In fact, there's some rumblings around the Saints that he might miss the entire season, which would not be a good thing for them. He's their best offensive lineman. In fact, right now, Max Unger working on the side, his return, you know, up in the air, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month. Uh, and then you got Armstead not working there. So Ramsey's playing left tackle, and he's been good. I mean, he's done a really nice job. He had a good day today. He's a good player. Uh, so their tackles will be all right. I, I think signing Larry Warford at guard will help inside. But they need to get under and, and, and hopefully Armstead back in that line. Uh, they're going to have major issues up front again. Well, Pete, the good news is that they have uh, this guy named Adrian Peterson, and he's an ageless running back who will be able you to run for You might have heard of him, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, no, he run for six yards a carry no matter who's blocking for him up front. Uh, if you have to bet your life on one of these running backs leading the team in rushing yards, who would it be? Mark Ingram. He'll get more carries. He'll get more touches. He's going to be on the field more. Um, but how about today? No pads, right, for the Saints? Yeah. Adrian Peterson practiced in pads the entire time. <laughs> full pads. He, wore, he, wore, he was the only guy out there. He had full pads on with the pads in the pants. I mean, that's incredible. And, and then they had the, and then they have a competition at the end of practice, where the offense goes against the defense, and whoever wins, there's like a, there's like a reward at the end of the, at the end of the day. So they go after each other pretty hard. Well, the defense won. The offense had to run two 100-yard sprints. Who do you think was first? Peterson. Adrian Peterson. He's a uh, madman. He's a so, madman. So the guy think- is a madman. Do you think he looks like he could legitimately be a factor for the Saints? Because I mean, I, I to me, it's it's hard to buy into the idea that given his age and given his injury history and given his production history, that he would be productive. But then I see the name Adrian Peterson and I start to buy in. Up until today, the guys I talked to around the team and some of the writers and, and, and a company and Deuce McAllister, some guys, it, the, the bottom line is he hadn't looked like Adrian Peterson, but today he did. And today there was a play where he got a handoff in the hole and there was a guy there waiting for him and he made a miss and made a nice move and got up the field. So I think there's going to be moments where he looks like Adrian Peterson. There's just not going to be a lot of them. My guess would be he would probably get 700 to 800 if at the best. I think Ingram will get more than that. And keep an eye on Kamara. Now, they're going to use Alvin Kamara, the rookie out of Tennessee, much like they did with – they hope to make him into a Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles type of runner, uh, catch the ball out of the backfield. Do you realize Cadet caught 40 passes for them last year? Those will all go to Kamara this year. I think he's going to be a nice addition in their passing game. Now, I was going to ask you about Kamara because the, the reports about him have been glowing. And I think probably that defender that Adrian Peterson made miss was probably nervous because Adrian Peterson was wearing pads and nobody else was wearing pads. I wouldn't want to try to tackle a pad at Adrian Peterson if I was not wearing pads now. Now, on this offense here in the receiving core, because you heard, I think Willie Sneed came out and said that we are a top receiving core in the NFL. But now, minus Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, the rookie last year, he's going to have to take on on a larger role here. How are you feeling right now about Drew Brees' core of pass catchers? Well, Ginn stretches the field. So that, you know, and yeah, and yeah he's going to drop one every now and then, but the threat of him, and he got behind the defense today, and Drew Brees actually underthrew him on a play, and he got mad at himself. Uh, it would have been a touchdown. 
And so he'll stretch the field. Thomas will be, I think Thomas has star potential written all over him. And he had a big year last year. He's only going to get better. And Sneed is Lance Moore. I mean, you know, they, they, they always love Lance Moore in the middle of the field doing all the slot stuff. Well, that's who Willie Sneed is. He does the same exact thing. Drew Brees always knows where he is and knows how to get the football to him. Coleman has had a good camp up until today. You know, the big, the big six foot four guy, and he's a tall guy. Uh, he's had a really good camp. They thought this might be his bust out season today. Uh, he dropped the pass, and then he also fumbled one. So, uh, you know, it's not a great group, but it's good enough. The concern for me is the tight end. They need get, they paid Fleener a lot of money. and He was on the field today, but he needs to get more production out of that spot than what they've been getting from him. Do you, Pete, do you have any sense being down there that there might be some concern? I mean, first of all, there's two, there's two, there's an elephant in the room in the sense of Drew Brees' contract, which is, you know, like, uh, you know, but uh, what, what are the Saints going to do with him? And then there's also the Sean Payton factor. He got that big extension. Remember, he was walking around the owners' meetings with the, the unsigned contract in his briefcase, like a, I don't know, I don't like whatever kind of leverage that is. Mickey Loomis is also dealing with the with the you know the the freaking Pelicans, and and Tom Benson is is not considered perhaps to be in great health. What's this? What's the the vibe around Sean Payton's status heading into a season where they're coming off of three straight years of seven and nine? Well, I think he's in trouble, and I think he knows it. I mean, I think you know he's he's you know you hear reports that he's currying favors around the league because he knows that, you know, what might be coming up next if they don't win this year. And, you know, there's always been a, a tight bond between Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, but I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. I think there's been a little fracture there as well. And, you know, at some point, you know, push comes to shove, somebody's got to go and it'll be interesting to see who does. But I, I think Sean has to win this year. I think he knows it. Um, it you know, and if he doesn't win this year and he got fired, somebody would sign him right up, right? I, I think Sean Payton would be one of the first guys hired somewhere else. And if he isn't, I think he'd be terrific on television. I mean, he's very candid. He's got a good sense of humor. I think he'd be great on television. But, you know, it would be a shame because to me, and I've said this many a time, I think Sean Payton's the best play caller in the National Football League. I've always said that. I, I still believe that. I, I think that the rapport between him and Drew Brees is unbelievable. And that guy, that Drew Brees, takes that whole thing. I, I just talking to players today, some of the stories – that you hear about him being this just anal guy when it comes to what he has to do every single day is incredible. And I'll share one with you. There's a, when they warm up for the same, for 12 years, Zach Sneed told me this, for 12 years in warm up, they have to run to this line and come back. Drew Brees makes sure that his foot goes exactly to this line every single time. Why? Because he feels like if he lets one of those details go, then some other detail will go, and some other detail will go, and he won't be the same player. That, to me, tells you all you need to know about Drew Brees. The guy is a freak when it comes to preparation. Yeah, and this just in, the star of a beautiful mind, too, will be Drew Brees. Now, you talked about Sean Payton, Pete, and he knows that he needs to win this year. He may be out the door. I personally think the Saints are going to win this year. I like this roster. I think it'll be more of a run-based team this year with that trio of running backs we discussed. I think the defense is going to be improved. So I'm bullish on the Saints. Where do you stand on them right now at training camp as it regards the rest of the competition in their division, the NFC South? I think they're going to be better. The problem is I think that to the other teams in the division they'll be better. Uh, I mean, I think all those teams will be better than they were a year ago. Now, that doesn't mean their records are going to be better, but I think all the teams will be better. It's going to be tough for them. 
They have to get somebody step up and rush the passer opposite Jordan because if you don't rush the passer in this league, particularly in that division, you got problems. So it's a you know getting uh, you know one of those guys with Okafor maybe to get to get some pressure from the edge over there opposite Cam Jordan. If they can do that, I think the secondary would be better. If Lattimore gets on the field, T.J. Williams is a good solid player. Bro is a good corner. I think Marcus Williams will eventually get on the field and they can play three safeties uh, with with those guys that they have there. So I think it's going to be a better team. But I'm not as bullish on him as you are. I, I, I mean, you know, anytime Drew Brees takes the field, you, you're going to be able to score points. But I, I think if, if Armstead misses the season and Unger misses part of the time, that's going to be a major problem for them up front. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it's easy to get hyped up about a team in the offseason and in July and in early August. But you start to look at the, the – I mean, the, the issues that this team might have – you know, I know that Brandon Cooks, people think he's overrated and maybe Ted Ginn can replace him, but you lose Cooks. You know, you have an issue at, at left tackle because of Armstead. All of a sudden you have an issue on the interior with Unger and, you know, you can kind of see how that interior might fall a little bit. Like if the interior falls apart, that's a major red flag for Breeze. You have some running back talent, but there, but it just feels like there's a bit of a Jenga feel to this team, right? Like they could, they could be a stacked roster. It could play well, but if one piece gets pulled apart, they could really collapse. Good analogy. Thank you. You know, uh, I'm going to say this about, can I say this about Drew Brees? I think he, I used to say that Peyton Manning's mind was the greatest weapon in the National Football League. I think as we talk right now, Drew Brees' mind might be the greatest weapon in the National Football League. So if you look at the guy and you go, how does he do it? He's five foot 11. And those guys joke around, oh, when he's got shoes on, he's six feet tall. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, and he's got, doesn't have a great arm. He's got a good arm. But one of those guys told me today that he's probably completed 150 passes in the last year to people he never saw because he knows where they are. No, he doesn't see very well at the line of scrimmage. You, you always see him leaning up and t- tipping his head over because he's five foot 11. What he's done in the NFL should not happen for a guy who is five foot 11, who doesn't have a cannon and a bazooka for an arm. It just shouldn't happen. He is the greatest aberration at quarterback that we've ever seen. And he also happened to be born in the wrong generation because he's born in a generation of Tom Brady winning five Super Bowls. He's born in a generation of Peyton Manning being the face of the franchise. He's born in the generation of Aaron Rodgers being the next uh, great quarterback. And somehow, someway, if he plays two or three more years, you know, he's going to be the leader in yards. He's going to be the leader in touchdowns. And they'll never be able to take that away from him. Now, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, but we record this on Wednesday. Tomorrow, Thursday, you're going to have a sit-down with Drew Brees, and you're going to have a column up on CBSSports.com about that very topic that you just discussed. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And I'm going to sit with him on Thursday, and we're going to chat and you know, get his feel for how he gets it done. And, and, and you know what? The one thing that comes through from everybody that you talk to, why he's where he is, is that competitive drive. And, and I'll give you a little chat here, and I'll put it, this is going to be in my column as well. You know, Zach Street told me they put a ping pong table in their facility over there last year. Well, guys played ping pong and they hit it back and forth. Well, Drew Brees is always upstairs studying and, and, and installing game plan with Sean Payton. They work on it together. So he didn't play much. Well, Zach Street played him a couple times, and he beat him. And he beat him again. And he beat him again. And he beat him again. And Drew Brees, you know, drops the paddle and walks off, and he says he didn't talk to him after he dropped it. Well, they come back like a couple months later and Zach Street plays them again and again and again and again, and he can't beat them. So he said, Drew Brees went and practiced his, his, uh, his uh, ping pong so that he wouldn't have to stand there and take the abuse of getting beat by a guy 
uh, on the other side of the table. So he, it, it, that's just who he is. He's a madman when it comes to competition. And you are a madman, Pete, both on and off the field. You've been on the road now for about a week. Any funny travel stories that you have for us in the audience here? You know, I haven't had any where I get stuck in a plane. I haven't had any where I'm, you know, for eight hours like I did in Fort Lauderdale. By the way, Scott, Scott, Scott Riley's on the phone, Pete. Scott Riley's on the phone, wants you to record some VOD. <laughs> Why I'm in the bus at 12 o'clock, didn't I? After being at the airport for 12 hours, I know how that goes. Yeah, I, I give you, you know, coming from Denver to New Orleans, I, I pulled a, a, a smooth move. There were two little old ladies in front of me, and the plane was packed, and I knew I would have problems when I was going to sit. So I said, if you, they were talking, and I said, you two going to sit together? And they go, yeah. I said, I'll sit on the aisle seat. They said, if you pick our bags up and put them in the overhead, we'll let you sit there. So they sit in there, and they were tiny little ladies, so I had a ton of room to work, and I put their bags up there. So not only did I get a good seat, but I was a good Samaritan for the day. Now, now Will, how tall are you, Will? Um, 5'10", one maybe? Probably five nine is generous. Okay, so that makes yeah, you five eleven with that hair. <laughs> so, wait, so so that makes you you're like the Sean Bradley of this podcast now because I'm like five foot seven and a half and Pete's like five foot two. So the question here, Pete, is like you say that like, you needed room. Like I always say, I'm like five seven and a half. Like I don't need the extra leg room. My extra leg room comes from the fact that I'm ridiculously short. Look, what extra room do you? You're shorter than me. Like what extra room do you need on an airplane? I don't like people touching me. So if the guy next to me is a big guy, then he touches me. I hate that. Coming back from Atlanta, when I went to do that Matt Ryan story, I had this guy sitting next to me. and he was, But before the plane even took off, I had my hand there, and he moved it on the armrest, and he moved it again. And, and mind you, this is a two-row, two-seat row. And he's moved his arm, and he moves it again. And next thing I know, he kind of like gives me a shrug on there, like an elbow. And I looked at him, and I go, I, said, I go, dude, you will not win that. I promise you, you will not win. Back off. And he looked at me and I go, and he, and I, and he was stunned and I go, you will not win. <laughs> Boom. He put his hands inside the thing and he sat there like a little mummy the rest of the way. I, uh, I had a similar story. I was leaving Fort Lauderdale. I was down there at CBS doing some video work and I'm flying. I think I'm on like the economy comfort row, you know, one of those front seats and the dude next to me has just got his arm and it is a muscular arm and it is sitting in on that fully on the on the armrest what a jerk. Like, okay. well as i'm sitting there i'm kind of like trying to like you know like i'm doing what pete's talking like i'm trying to get some room i can't get this guy's arm to freaking budge and so finally i'm just confined i'm sitting there trying to work and he, and he taps me on the shoulder he goes you uh you write about football i was like yeah yeah i do he goes and i look up i go Oh, Zach Martin. Oh my goodness. You know, the linebacker for the Dolphins? Like the, like Zach the, Thomas. Old, like the, yeah, Zach Thomas. Excuse me, not Zach Martin. Jeez. Uh, it was Zach Thomas, and he's just sitting there, like ripped arms. And we ended up having like an hour long conversation uh, the rest of the flight. He was headed to Greenville to watch his on a recruiting trip for his son. And uh, he told me to tell Pete Prisco that he's a terrible analyst. He doesn't like me. I know. That's yeah, what he said. Shocker. Yeah, you because know, I I used to make them overrated. That's why. Um, <laughs> By the way, if it if it had actually been Zach Martin, excuse me for the slip, but if it had actually been Zach Martin, I think I probably would have noticed he's a a slight bit bigger than Zach Thomas. Um. So so Pete, so, I, so Zach Thomas brought that up because he brings it up all the time. He doesn't. Why does he like me? I don't get it. Because uh, uh, you called him overrated. I mean, you just said why he doesn't like you because you <laughs> annually called no, him overrated. And the guy's a borderline ago. Hall of Fame player, Pete. 
not a not a Hall of Fame. Hall very good. He was a very good. Yeah, player. borderline yeah. Hall of Fame player. Now, do you think, Pete, that the reason why Will couldn't get Zach Thomas's arm off the uh, the armrest is because all Will does is go from one cardio machine to the next in the gym? Because I think that's probably the reason, right? If he were if he worked in a few bench presses or maybe something some shoulder presses or maybe a few curls here and there, but damn, he might have been able to move Zach Thomas's arm. If you guys mentioned. If you guys mentioned people reviewing this podcast on iTunes and leaving us comments and rating us as much as you talked about weights, we'd have like 500 reviews. Well, well I'm, I'm about to toss it to you to give us that, that, that grand close here as, as, as you promote us as only you can here. But, but in all seriousness, is there anything worse than like the airline jerk? Like, like the, like the POS that sits next to you and moves your arm out of the way or the guy's 700 pounds and he's eating like some sort of huge sandwich and mayonnaise and mustard dripping everywhere. Like there needs to be like some sort of book. Like airline etiquette, because nothing drives me crazier than the person that puts you out when you're on a flight. Like you're already uncomfortable on a flight. Do you have to have some jerk like muscling you for for for, for room there, or or being too big and taking up your space? Like there's nothing worse than that, right? I could write a book on how many incidents I get into on planes. I'm telling you, and I don't I don't start them. I just somehow, somewhere, they always started with. I had a guy started playing the game. Another guy started playing the arm game before we even got there in a two-row seat. The arm he game. Pushed it before we even left. He's pushing and shoving. He's pushing and shoving. And I go, dude, really? I go, you're really doing this, right? So next thing I know, I pack up my bag, and he, he didn't move, and I climb right on top of him to get into the aisle. I put my foot right on his, on his knee, climb right over him to get in the aisle. I say, there you go. Now you got your seat. I moved. I don't, I don't take credit. I mean, it's, the people are rude. How about the guys who rush the front? Oh, that—that's bad too. Yeah, awful. Airline I, travel I exposes. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's like, where do you think you're going, you know, pal? Yeah, and I couldn't grab the guy; otherwise, it would have given him a beating. It would have had to pull me off the plane. But he—he he, he was gone by the time he rushed through everybody. He kneed me in the back of the head. I don't know what it was. I thought somebody caught me with a bat. <laughs> I, I mean, I was leaning over to get my bag, and he needs. And, and these days, if you need someone in the back ahead of the, on a flight, you probably get sent to Guantanamo Bay. You don't just go off the flight. They send you to, uh, to International Present Pete. Appreciate it, buddy. Looking forward to reading your piece coming up on Drew Brees later this week. CBSSports.com. We'll talk to you later. Can't wait to fly on Friday, boy. All right. And, ho- <laughs> yeah. and I personally hope that someone very large and very angry and agitated sits next to our guy Pete Prisco. Uh, Will. Hopefully, hopefully they're eating a breaded buffalo chicken sandwich yes with 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 extra sauce extra sauce yeah, yeah, yeah. for blue cheese spilling out like yeah all right big play. um L- take, let's take, get out of here yeah take right. us out great, of here that's you great podcast thanks for listening thanks for subscribing leave rate review tell your friends five stars uh, five stars preferably you can even write something funny um if you write something funny in the comments like uh, you know, let me see if I can bring up this real quick. If you write something funny in the comments, we'll read the we'll read the good comments on here. Like some guy, G. Jerry Harris, another superb show featuring handsome Nick Costas. Yes, that is my this alias is like, on the wrestling podcast. Sorry, Correct. Sorry. Handsome Nick Costas is the primary reason I tune. Thanks, thanks a lot, Gary. Uh, but he points out that you have, I believe, you also have a the a golden voice which is very Kudos funny cbs because for letting us hear more of it because i feel like you know there have been lots of words used to describe the quality of my voice and none of them have ever been golden but gee gary 
I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much for the uh, for the kind comments. So he left that five star comment right on iTunes, yeah. and we encourage Will the listeners because we give them all this entertainment, and it's absolutely free. The least they can do is what Will Brinson. Uh, just bang that five star uh, review, and then write a little comment. You just log into iTunes, write a comment, say, "Oh man." That Brinson guy sounds like a hippie. I hate him. Uh, Costas, golden voice, golden god. Or from D-D-D-D-D-L-L-L-D-D-D-D-L-L-L. Pete is a demigod. Fork him. Plus, JLC needs to, you know what, I'm not going to read that last part. All right, anyway, you know what to do. Go do it. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We'll see you guys on Friday.